On today's show. We hold a vigil for Ireland's deceased World Cup champion. We discuss the sliding door scenarios for what could have been for this Irish team. And in a moment of naive positivity, we look to the future. Galileo! Magnifico! Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Anyway, the reason why we're so sad is we're here, and we regretfully announced... Um, Announce. Announce. We're marking... We're going to break the news, to you. <laughs> Have you not heard? <laughs> we're marking the death of Irish Rugby's World Cup campaign. Um, the event, the execution was due to take 80, 80 minutes. In reality, it took 20 minutes and Ireland were dead. But New Zealand just kept... Just fucking firing bullets into that body. Just killing them yeah. over and over. He's already Leave dead. Leave him alone. He's dead. Yeah, dead. Um, yeah I'm, are you sad? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm disappointed because there's always that... I think off the back of... Like, I didn't think that they would beat them last November. Off the back of the Argentinian performance, I went, oh, there's just too many, it's too disjointed, they won't be able to put it all together the following week to beat the All Blacks, yeah. and, if, and they beat them. I was like, fuck, this is, you know. So even though we weren't in a healthy position yeah. going, going into this game, I still went, you know, they've done it before, so there's no reason. Like, we're not that was expecting the heart. I think that was the, it was the heart telling us that we had a chance. Yeah, yeah. Like we were saying on Thursday night, we were yeah, backing we, naive. We were, yeah, backing <laughs> naive. <laughs> Oh, extremely unprofessional. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite. Oh, Barry couldn't be here, by the way, uh, to the viewers and listeners. Um, he, he was too sad, mm. <laughs> too sad. So he flew to Toronto. Yeah, to cheer himself up a little bit. Mm. You know, I'm not that sad. I'm sad, but I could be sadder. The reason why we just saw, <laughs> you got it right. He's come back to happier times when we were in Limerick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the reason why um, I'm not as sad as I might have been is because I feel like, as you, I think you're alluding to, Irish Rugby's World Cup campaign has been kind of dying for a while. Maybe not. Well, you could look at it. Everyone is dying, but it was probably the second a bit Irish Rugby was born. <laughs> it's been dying ever since. <laughs> I think it's been it's been ill. Yeah. Yeah, it's I think it's been ill. Yeah, yeah, so I've got a I've got a timeline for for Irish rugby's death. Okay. Not the rugby. No, sorry, just the World Cup campaign's death. Mm. Um, uh, the initial diagnosis was in February when we got beat by England because mm. we were in full health. We had an infection. Oh, I think it was more than an infection. That okay, was go on. Anyway, anyway, it was an initial diagnosis. Um, uh, the seriousness of the condition escalated uh, when we got beat by Wales in March. Then we were not. Are, are we on antibiotics now, or we're, we're like when we're talking about where we are? are yes. We, have we gone to hospital? Are we gone to? Okay. No, you're right. Um, we we oral antibiotics after England. Mm. Uh, IV antibiotics. We after the Wales game, we looked like the time. Anal, anal antibiotics. No, no. After, <laughs> after the Welsh game, no. Uh, IV because I like the idea that we looked like O'Connell when he was on IV antibiotics. That oh time. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He looked a lot closer to death. Hanley, he's not doing great. He's got very, very thin. <laughs> yeah. Very shook looking. Just got beat by wheels. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so we were... Uh, it escalated the seriousness. Then we played England in the first World Cup warm-up game. Second. Second, sorry, second. Mm. Yeah, totally forgot about the success of the Italy game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Italy yeah. seconds. The glory of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terminal at that stage. Terminal. Oh, we were diagnosed as terminal. Yes. No, okay. they, we still. They said we got two months to live. Okay. So we said, <laughs> oh, we've got to squeeze in a World Cup victory quickly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Before we die. Um, uh, so then we played Japan, um, uh, second game of the group, and then our date for execution was announced. Now I know. <laughs> He's terminally ill, and then we've, we were terminally ill, and mm. now we're getting executed. So it's a little bit of a change of, <laughs> change yeah, of tone. Okay, okay. But it just works in my narrative. I think there's, what's that called? It's uh, in Switzerland. Oh, um, uh, euthanasia. euthanasia. Yeah, so they went, mm, poor old Ireland have been sick for a while. Let's put them out of their misery. Yeah. We'll give them a date. We'll call it the quarterfinals yeah, fine. with New Zealand. Okay, fine. They've got their date. But how did we, how did we, we were still getting it like, is it, we're going to be, a, we're going to live. And they were like, kinda, we didn't know. Oh, we didn't know. It had been, a, well, I think for, I think we had an inkling that we're going to be put out of our, yeah, yeah, <laughs> put yeah. Out of our, our um, we were basically sitting in the corner 
at the world with all with the with the last eight in the World Cup with like a tartan blanket over our legs, <laughs> yeah. just sucking sucking sweets and going, yeah, what's up next? And everyone's like, that's okay now, Ireland. You tip away there, you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, but like we had we we had a pride mask on. Mm. Like if you take that mask on, we were kind of like. We were like, again. When they took the oxygen off us, we were like this, I'm ready to give it to those all blacks. <laughs> I've made I've had an accident. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, we finally then got put to rest this morning, 19th yeah. of October. Um, again, sad, but not as sad as we had it. <laughs> What's that? It's like the removal for us. Oh, oh, is that a, like a north-south thing? No. Am I, is that why I don't get that? <laughs> what is the north-south thing? You're from the north. No, I know, I know, but what is that? I don't, I don't know. I thought it was like some sort of like monks chanting. Oh, right, it's a monks thing. Yeah, yeah, I should have yeah. got that, that's fine. Um, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly. I wonder, um, one other illustration, I suppose. Um, uh, the 2011 World Cup, I, I didn't start, didn't play that much rugby, but we were in Carton House all summer. And I played more, way more golf than rugby. I got golfer's elbow. I was playing out of my skin. I was playing class golf, like pinging this four iron off the tee mm. as far as you hit your driver. And then ever since then, it's kind of ruined. I don't like golf anymore because I used to be good at golf. And anytime I play golf, I'm like, oh, why am I playing so badly? And recently I've had to come to terms with the fact that I'm not a good golfer. And that was just a period of time. Are Ireland, <laughs> are they the, like... Is their default position where they were last year? Or is this the Ireland team and last year was a blip? Not a blip, the opposite <clears> of a blip. I think, I think we're... I'm not really sure if I'm completely on the same same. You're not a golfer. You're obviously not a golfer. Well, what I'm saying, I think we're, we're pretty good golfers. We're good golfers. Yeah. But we played against the, best, the best golfer in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our game had slowly been deteriorating a little bit. Um, maybe our wives left us in February mm-hmm. and we had to get a second job we couldn't spend as much time on the course uh-huh. and um where it just it just we were just going that way yeah down, unfortunately um and we also got sick and we had the antibiotics <laughs> yeah no, to be fair that's the big issue yeah yeah isn't it yeah but the wife the wife needed us in february was tough <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh the amount of golf that we were getting in we, we were, our game wasn't improving yeah it was probably we were trying to get back to where we were all the time when we were staying still all Blacks were getting, Tiger was getting better. Yeah. McRoy was getting better. Mm. That's England. I don't know. No, Justin Rose. Yeah. Um, they were all getting better. Wheels were getting better. And we were just kind of, we were just pottering about, not taking that seriously. Yeah. That's we it. were trying too hard. Our lives were falling apart a little bit. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> a lot like yours. Yeah. <laughs> In the yeah. last few months. Yeah. Exactly, we'll get into the rugby. Exactly. Yeah. Let's not get into my life falling apart. Let's get into anymore. the rugby. One area I thought would be interested to see. I know you've touched on this in the past. I know you spent a bit of time, you went and visited Rog mm. and like you have a, like a hot take on New Zealand rugby, but I thought it was night and day. I thought New Zealand were better in all areas, but in particular, it was their face play and their forwards and their tip-ons and their, their skills. Is yeah. That, did you see that? Yeah, 100%. I thought, <clears throat> look, like I, I'm, I'm disappointed that we lost. I felt it was going to be a massive stretch for us to go from where we were to beating, to beating the All Blacks. And the reality is, is that they are better. They are just a better rugby team. And they play, they can play a brand of rugby that we can't play because our players don't have the same skill set. And it's not just us, Ireland. There's no other team in the world who has the same skill set as the All Blacks. So if you're trying to play them, like if you're trying to play All Black rugby against them, you're just going to have 500 handling errors because you're not going to have the same skill set. Like how flat they had forwards playing right on the line playing tip-ons and then get their hands free and getting a little offload it was it was phenomenal yeah. but that's because they just they work on the technical aspect of just catch pass catch pass catch pass like we didn't we didn't lose the game because we weren't strong or because we weren't conditioned or because you know the stuff that every team that's at the world cup has pretty much access to is like conditioning you know making sure that our, our athletes are there, you know, nutrition, all those things. Like that. They're there. But what underpins the, the New Zealand game plan is just their catch-pass skills are so good. Yeah. And they just sit, that, that means that you see the game differently. You're less risk-averse. Like, people go like, oh, Joe Schmidt's too conservative. Potentially, you could say that, like that, that we are conservative. But we're actually playing to, our, to, a, to what the, the strengths of, our, of, of this playing group 
is. Yeah. Now, because I think we can't we can't do that. <clears throat> we can't do what New Zealand does. In no. Terms of like, and if, if Joe Schmidt was here as a director of rugby or a head of performance, I'm sure he would be like, okay, well, I can't affect change with the. I can't take a guy who's now who's now 25 years of age when he comes into national camp and make him 45 percent more skillful because I have little windows during the year that they come into national camp. But if you start with those guys when they're 10 and you work on their catch-pass skills, yeah. well, then by the time they get into the national camp when they're 21, 22, they're a far better player. And I think that that's, that's where Irish rugby needs to go, is, is upskilling the coaches at the underage level because trying to bridge the gap. Ireland have done as good a job as anyone else in bridging the gap with the small player pool that we have in terms of competing with those kind of with, with, with countries like that. And that's the strength of Joe Schmidt's coaching. Like New Zealand don't, or South Africa don't try and play like New Zealand. England don't try and play like New Zealand. Yeah. England are adding <clears throat> extra layers. They're trying to develop the skill set of their forwards, but they still rely on, on front door runners, on, on Sinclair, on Laws, on Vunipola, Mako and Billy, and then Tuolagi. They rely on that, but much like Saracens then, they're, they're good at playing flat out the back door so that there's, if they don't hit the front, teams, their defenders have to load to make yeah. the tackle yeah. on Tulagi, and they expect to go, shit, they've gone out the yeah. back door. They call their bluff on it enough for it to be a real threat, yeah. and they sh- we showed that we saw that today, actually. With yeah, Sinclair Lefano missed, like, <coughs> was reading out the back on Tulagi, uh-huh. and they just went and hit Sinclair, and Sinclair just was in. Yeah. So, like, that's... so That's a... One, that's a a slightly less complicated version of what New Zealand do. Now, it's not, I, I'm contradicting myself here because I was actually going to make the point they're not doing anything that special, no. but they're just, they're just hitting a forward who can tip it on, he can pull it back here to a back, mm. and then it's the same shape then off that back once he gets the ball. It's really, it's really simple. It's, man, it's just done unbelievably well. When, when, when I, w- I went down to New Zealand and I went down and myself and Jonesy went down there and I wanted to see because the criticism of Munster is that when we're outside our 22, we're just way too predictable, that we were just loading to get to the kick every single time. Like we would just kick a box kick and because we were kicking off a static base, off a rook, teams would just go, oh, Conor Murray's coming up. I can see them packing that rook. I can see that their back line are all flat now to chase it. So that their wingers just start cheating back into the backfield, like not being worried about us running the ball, and they start dropping a back row into the backfield, and then we can't get, we can't get any of our, our chasers through because they escort us too well, and they have a back row catches the ball and carries the ball back. So I went down there going, and I, I met their, the attack coach down there, Brad Moir, and I said, he's the Scarlet's head coach, I said, listen, talk me through your shape, you know, when you're outside the 22, and he just goes, shape is like this, and I said, that's the same as us, he goes, yeah. I said, well, what are your policies? He goes, well, well, you know, I suppose he goes, you've got to run kick focus in any game plan. And he said, when the start of Super Rugby, when the weather is dry, the pitches are hard, the ball is dry, we'll play, a few, we'll play maybe, we might play six phases in our own half, just trying to manipulate the backfield and see if we can create space to get to the run. And when the weather gets a little bit, you know, the second half of Super Rugby, when the ball's wet, the pitches are a bit heavier, we might play three or four phases, and then we'll get to the kick if we, haven't, if we haven't built anything within those three or four phases. But what I noticed is that it was all about the technical development of each individual player. Because if your players have a higher skill set, you can literally play anyway. You know, you can play in, yeah. any, in any way. And that's exactly what they do. They just non-stop every single time. Tommy, Tommy was telling me that that's what Ulster were doing now, is that they, they're just constantly working on those little three-metre passes, yeah. a tip-on pass for a forward and a, and a little pull-back three-metre pass for a forward, and then for the backs, a seven-metre pass, and just being able to run dead straight and pass the ball. <clears throat> and it's actually when you go down there and you see it and you realise how much extra time their players appear to have on the ball because they're running straight, they're catching the ball early, and they're comfortable to move the ball. It, it, that, that's the difference. That's what Charles Piatai said when he arrived at Ulster. Because <clears throat> we're always we would have strategically arranged plays around giving it to maybe two or three forwards mm. that we know we're capable of executing, being able to pa- catch and pass yeah. like like a back, like a good back, and like and then a good back. like a good back, yeah, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, Charles Pietau made the point if you get guys who aren't that, aren't that coordinated aren't known for doing that for executing that if you get them rehearsing it over and over you'd be surprised at what, you, what they can execute mm. every single player in that New Zealand pack can do that yeah I thought, now I it's thought, led like obviously Reid gets the highlights re- highlights real um, Joe, Mo- Joe Moody yes. was really impressive for them yeah. today like and, and he didn't do a huge amount handling wise but he you know Italic as well yeah they, they link 
Unbelievable. Scott Barrett. But like they're <clears throat> if you watch the shape, they'll always have two forwards in the middle of the park just running, staying in lane, running dead square all the time, and they're a passing option or they're a carrying option. And it's it, just their ability to stay square. They don't yeah. eat up space, then they're always filling the field. It's so I think though, <clears throat> if you rewind a year, I think Ireland showed like that was the type of rugby they were they were able to get into that phase play and they were able to to get holes and run hard and tip on and go at the back. They they were executing that more often than not, but today they couldn't catch couldn't yeah. catch a pass. And well, we, we, I wonder if it my 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 thought on it is it looked like we like New Zealand scored twice early on and then when you're playing New Zealand you've already got a mountain to climb. Mm. They scored twice early on, it's game over. It well, is, or is that, or is that, is that, am I, is that the mindset that I'm, I'm communicating the mindset that they were reflecting on the pitch? Um, do you know what I mean? Like it's, and then almost it becomes harder to catch because you feel like you've got so much to do. Yeah, I think the problem was is that, is that when you, <clears throat> I'd imagine that Ireland's strength is it lies in structure, in the players all being aligned, and us having two very good, a very good nine and a very good ten who are excellent kickers of the ball. <clears throat> most of most of our, our backs are good at fielding the ball in the air, and we've got a really competitive set piece. Like that's that that's a kind of a foundation of the game. So like if we just kicked the ball loosely and just said let's just give the All Blacks time and we'll just deal with it, they'd rip us apart. So we wanted to keep the game as structured as possible. Like whenever whenever we kick the ball, we want to have a it either goes way off the pitch. To stop to stop the play, or yeah. else there's a contest on it every time that they have no time to actually launch a counter on us. Um, <clears throat> but when you go behind, when you go behind like we do, and we start having to chase the game a little bit, you can't. You've you've got to open up like that. That's the problem, and I think that's why we ended up conceding over forty points. Is that like we start chasing the game a little bit? Look, we didn't we didn't play well either. Like things that we would normally execute, like yeah. when when the Irish team is playing well, they didn't come off for us. Like missing touch and missing touch, bit, drop balls, some of our discipline stuff. Yeah, I thought, I thought our I thought our scrum was 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 stronger. Um, lineup was okay, but like you know, there's. It's just that we're really reliant on being perfect in certain positions. Whereas if there's ten things we need to get right, if the lineup, the scrum, the the restarts, the our discipline, our D, you know, aerially, like if we don't have. If, if one of those things is off, our game is generally going to really struggle against a team like the All Blacks, where if the All Blacks don't get any delivery off their scrum or their line-out, or if they're not really winning the restarts, there'll still be turnovers in the game. We will turn the ball over at times, and they'll get an opportunity, and they'll just ID where the space is, and they have the, the skill set to, oh, there's the, there's the space, get the ball there and exploit it. And if there's a loose kick, they, they just they straight away just fall into a really effective shape and every yeah. single player is able to ask a question of the opposition defence. Yeah. So you say the same though for them though. The, I'm thinking of um, Aaron Smith's second try where the launch off the scrum. Mm. And um, I, find that, I find that interesting because typically um, your, your principal, I suppose, trying to defend a play like that where it goes just a missed pass and then it goes out, out the back to, um, to the blindside wing. Goes, it went to Seve Reese out the back of Bowden mm. Barrett. Off good you, and if that pass from um, uh, Moanga to good you is early, everybody shifts out, mm. and Henshaw takes him. But that, and if that pass is late, it's at the line. Then Ringrose hits him. But that mm. pass was kind of late, but not that late, and it was like the perfect execution. It was perfect. Then the pass yeah. from good you is a blind pass, really, really difficult. Obviously, ever, that's that's just the backs, but the execution of the scrum, the link from nine mm. to ten. There's a lot of stuff has to go right there as well, but it always does go right for New Zealand. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? It was. I thought that that play was unbelievably well executed. Mm, the the actual the their, their skill level is a buffer for them as well. So even <coughs> like like if you watch in the in the South African game when their scrum was on the back foot, there was one stage uh, their scrum was going backwards, and Faf de Klerk put massive pressure on Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith most nines would pick the ball and tuck it. Aaron Smith bowled the ball, like stepped around Faftkirk and bowled the ball in a one-handed offload out to Richie Mwanga about like, or was it to Mwanga? Whoever he, he bowled the ball out with a one-handed offload about about 12 metres. And as that guy, I think it was Leonard Brown caught the ball. And as he did, um, the 13 for South Africa just smashed into him. But they just kept keeping the ball alive. Yeah, their, yeah. Skill, their skill set just gives them such a buffer that when things aren't perfect, and when they do get a perfect delivery from a scrum like they did for, 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 that, for Smith's second try, they're just 
it's just so hard to defend. Looking at it, I'm not sure what the Irish system is, so everyone can chirp in and say, this yeah, is what yeah, I yeah. think and that what yeah. I think. It looked to me like, like, Ring, like you said, Ringrose tried to go and get man and ball. It looked like Robbie Henshaw missed the jump. They looked tight initially on the inside. They looked a little bit, a bit tight, and I would have thought that Erlsey could have started a little bit wider if they'd been pulled out a little bit further, but it's neither here nor there, and I don't know, so I'm... Yeah, I know no, exactly, no, we're But guessing, like you said, guessing. the thing is, is more to just say, shit, that was really well executed. Yeah. That's so yeah. hard to defend. Yeah. Um, and even what I noticed is, in the first 20 minutes, is how effective, like, we talk about there's, they're just doing the basics that everyone does, but just doing them better. So skills is one thing, but their accuracy at the breakdown in terms of how they were moving bodies beyond the ball to lengthen the rook, to deepen the rook, to move the offside line back, and to free up the ball so that just giving the, giving your halfback, giving your nine an extra metre or two of vision to see what he's going to do, mm-hmm. is, is, you know, they were really impressive with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. This is going to sound really vague and, and, and typical kind of what you hear from rugby commentators, but their their breakdown being so clinical allows their phase play to be good. Yeah. Because then yeah. their phase play is good, the rich get richer, you yeah, know. Yeah, then yeah. their breakdown is easy. It's cyclical. It's cyclical. So yeah, I don't and I don't know what I don't know what the catalyst is. I'm sure it's both together, but their breakdown was ju- they just no one got anywhere near it. And again, it's probably because they get a good foothold because their skills are so good. So all things kind of affecting each other, but it was, I thought New Zealand were ridiculously good. And I think people are, people who, I could come back, this could, I could end up with egg on my face in this, but England were good too. Mm. Anybody who thinks England are going to be, like, are going to beat New Zealand next week, I think they're dreaming. Fuck off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I'm, want to I'm change looking, the subject I'm, too uh, early here, but. I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to it because I think England have got a bit more to them. Like, if England were just the, just a, we'll give it to our big powerful ball carriers like that's you can defend that but it's when they're playing with a little bit more of their ability and, uh, to play the out Sinclair the back and, that yeah, sort of stuff yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's really quality but they still don't have the the unstructured ability that, that the All Blacks have that, you know, when just IDing where space is and just everyone being aligned and everyone just, just, just yeah. working as a unit to just rip you apart we'll cut this clip when England win next weekend we'll cut this clip <laughs> yeah, yeah. just play it over and over <laughs> um yeah, it's going to be a good game, though. I I think um, I think the best eight teams got through to the quarterfinals, and now they're and and the best teams won today as well. Unfortunately, uh, <clears throat> you don't think there's anything in a um, few people saying today that New Zealand and England looked unbelievably fresh as a result of having one game less or two weeks rest. Uh, yeah, that's that that's probably legitimate. That's probably a fair point. I just think. Um, yeah, it, it, they're all little things that come in. There's a myriad of factors that will come into like why 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 we would have lost the game today. I don't think it was down to them being fresher than us uh-huh. completely. It's definitely a factor, but I think it's just coming down to just better. Yeah, they're one, just better. One other thing then, um, whenever the the Ireland team was announced on Thursday, or whatever it was, um, I I kind of I was I was busy. I was running around. Oh, we were at the we were at the show. Mm. Yeah, on Thursday. So it was kind of busy running around and um, someone said, oh, the team's nice. Oh, yeah, okay. And I looked at it and I thought, I kind of shrugged my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. I kind of went, what you would expect. Yeah, okay, yeah. Grants. You know, there was nothing, no no inkling of anything surprising in any way. Mm. And then, and it's kind of a reflection of where we've been, you know, it's it's you, that would have been the team. Zero excuses almost, you know, because that was the team that Joe Schmidt would have wanted to put out from a year ago probably. Yeah, uh, and then you look at the um, uh, evolution of New Zealand and England in the last year, and it's just totally different, you know. And I know, I know, it's, mm. it's, I'm not saying it's a selection no, thing; no, it's no, not. I'm, I'm just saying it's the numbers, the number of quality players pushing frontliners. And yeah. I'm thinking that it, this time last year, would you ever have dreamed Bowden Barrett wouldn't be starting ten, or Ben yeah. Smith wouldn't be playing? That's the, I, I said this to Tommy today. I said like the fact that that New Zealand. Have they just they decided they went? Oh, we've Ben Smith, who's probably one of the most rounded rugby yeah. players in the world. He's just phenomenal, can play anywhere. And they went, fuck. What if we just got Bowden Barrett in the wider channels, took advantage of his pace, had used him as another another first receiver? Yeah, and then and then the, the fact that they did it during the rugby championship, and at times they weren't playing well, like the New Zealand weren't playing well, and they said, oh, we're gonna we're gonna persist with this, and yeah, and now, it went on for two like at least a couple of games, yeah, and it didn't work. 
and I think I, I would like to ima- I'd like to imagine that like in a sliding doors alternate universe that if Joey Carberry hadn't got, like because you, you it's no point people give out and they say like oh it's just the same old consistent selection well what what was going to change really you know? yeah the, like, the reason why there's a reason why it's yeah. been a consistent selection because they've, those guys have delivered yeah. but the guys below yeah, haven't yeah, yeah. really like I think Rory deserved to start Rory was had a really good World Cup and um you know, there's also a bit of like when you suddenly go changing guys that you've never changed before and you change them in knockout stages at a quarter final, you're going, oh shit, are we panicking a little bit here? Yeah. Like, yeah, the Australian 13, what's his name? Pattaya. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, like James O'Connor came in for the rugby championship. You know what I mean? Like, Rob Carney's been playing for Ireland since 1982, <laughs> nearly. You know? So, like, I would have been a little bit like, oh shit, like, we. I'm not really like I'm not sure if Joe had a second fifteen option or if he had a second option at hooker really you know that that was put applying pressure. Um, I'd like to ima- have imagined that if if Joey Carberry, who's one of the create like he's a creator, if Joey had um, if Joey had not been injured during the Six Nations, that he may have gotten some game time there. And especially the form he looked in against, I know it was Italy reserves. Yeah, and then yeah. in the Italy game, he was phenomenal there. Yeah, yeah. And then he got injured. And you'd like to see him, well, look, we could have played around with, you know, you could have Joey at 10 with, with Johnny at 12. You could have Johnny at 10 with Joey at 15. And that would really open up our game. Because yeah, yeah. all the way through the tournament, like whenever we didn't have, a, this is, this is, it's not a criticism on Jack Carty, I'm comparing him to a guy who's been voted the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. We've really looked like when we haven't had Johnny, we haven't looked like we've managed games well or whenever Johnny's on the field, it's always like looking to Johnny. Uh-huh. Whereas when you have another guy there to take the, take the pressure off him, it just makes such a difference. And I'd like, like anyone who thinks that Joe, that, that Joe Schmidt just said, this is it, I'm not going to evolve how I'm going to play and I'm just going to freeze this moment in time and just go forward. I think that's... I think that that would be naive. Naive, which we're all buying into. Oh, yeah. We're all big fans yeah, of it. We're all bands of being naive. <laughs> um, uh, the other, I suppose, uh, the, the big difference from this World Cup to last World Cup is the, is the competition for places. Mm. It's still not quite there because, mm. because of the reasons we're saying. Yeah. But if Dan Levy hadn't got injured, if Jack Carty had been maybe in the form, he had been with Leinster at the end of the season and obviously not got injured. Jack Conan. Jack Conan, Jack Conan sorry, yeah, Jack Conan. Yeah. Then all of a sudden there's a few options in the back row mm. and then centres all stayed fit. Apart, well, then Bundy obviously got banned but yeah, apart yeah. from that, the centre was the one area as we were chatting to Roy Scannell about. Yeah, it was so you don't want to be a centre in Ireland but um, I don't, don't think we've got that everywhere else really. Well, in the way, I thought Conway was, was outstanding and he would have been pushing Jacob at Stockdale and pushing Keith Earls. I think there was big competition through the centre I don't think there was big competition at 10. I don't think there was big competition at 9. Um, I think... I'm not sure how much Scannell or or, or, or <coughs> Sean Cronin pushed Rory, but I think Rory responded. I think Dave Kilcoyne was de- definitely pushing Keane Healy. Yeah. I think Porter had a good World Cup overall. I think he was pushing Tyg. I think Tyg was decent. Um, and then... Oh, I tell do, you you man, been, do you think it would have been nice... Uh, sorry to come across... Like, Hold that thought. I think it would have been nice, maybe, even like culturally within the squad, for for um, Dave Kilcoyne to have got a start in one of the early, one of the big games at the start of the pool, and mm. then it would have sent a message to everybody else. You know what? If you keep at it, you're you're close. You're going well. There's a lot of competition. Realistically, you could be starting a World Cup knockout stages game. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. I I, I don't know. Oh, fuck, man. I think like to be fair, the I big call like. Kane, Kane obviously is enormous for Ireland, yeah. but you know, I'm just saying culturally, it might have been a really nice message to send out. Yeah, I just I, might, I would imagine it, when looking back on it now, it looks like Joe is just so loyal through his selections all the time, um, and those guys generally deliver for him. But I would have thought that, like with the way Killer was performing, that the <clears throat> church would be going, okay, well, I'm, I've, I've, I've you know. I've got to perform here now because Joe isn't just going to pick me just because I've delivered from him in the past. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I think they it could have could have mixed things up a little bit there at times, but phew, I don't know how much how much options we had by the end of it. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, disappointing, really disappointing. Yeah. Um, Sad. Yeah. Uh, but at least we knew they've been down for a while. 
Yeah, yeah. They're out of their, out of their misery now, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Fuck it. Um, <clears throat> I've got one hot take. Yeah. Um, uh, James Lowe, I was talking about this before. I don't think I'm worried of mentioning this. Uh, James Lowe, I heard him chatting, might have been a year ago, um, publicly, and he said he was asked the big difference between Irish rugby and New Zealand rugby. Playing rugby in Ireland, played rugby in New Zealand. And he said it's the, the emphasis on mental skills and the capacity to cope with um, whatever whatever it is, like you know, a lack of execution or mm. being you know, conceding scores early on or something. And I think that I think that shows in Irish rugby, not in Irish rugby. Just recently, I've seen it a few times. I've thought against Japan. Whenever Japan came back at us, this is against Japan. Mm. That I thought the contrast of of our body language and the way we were playing and the impact it was having on our energy and our you know, it just looked like we just lacked confidence. We didn't look like a team that was going to get a foothold back in the game and claw the game back. Japan, whenever they conceded two tries early on, mm-hmm. they just looked um, bulletproof. They just looked like it, it meant nothing to them. They were going to get back into the game, and they ultimately did, mm. and they gave us the runaround. New Zealand, we scored, we conceded two tries early on against New Zealand, and I think we're, we're beat. Yeah. And then uh, kind of what I was talking about earlier on, once we're beat and our, our, we we look slumped, we look down, we look defeated, and then we just can't catch or pass. I think the mental capacity then impacts the skill execution. Yeah, I think I think it would be it would be it would be really interesting to 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 tease that out with him, because if you look at it like generally, your mental strength improves as you get older via experience. Like as like experience only matters if you make a mistake. And then you don't make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. Well, then you've learned from it. Otherwise, yep. it's just you just consistently making mistakes. But if you look at it, like the majority of that of that Irish team are have, have a lot of experience. Yeah. So we shouldn't we shouldn't <clears throat> drop our heads just when we go behind. But just when you're saying, I was just thinking, the difference is, is that the All Blacks can manufacture a score with far less effort than Ireland would have to put in. You know, so it never feels like they're a million miles away. So even if the opposition scored two tries, they said, "Well, yeah, well, if the opposition drop the ball, we'll just we'll just rip that one up and we'll we'll we can carve a score out of nothing." Like yeah. um, when I played with Munster years ago, in like million years ago, like two thousand and six, I remember like we won the European Cup and we were like, "My God, it's so hard for us to make a try." Like we have to like penalty kick in the touch, maul penalty kick in the touch, get the twelve to hit it up, like five hundred phases, and then eventually yeah. try, and we're coming back and we're exhausted. And after that year, we just said, "Listen, we we we're not going to be competitive in Europe if we if we can't just start manufacturing and try out and nothing." Yeah. And then, two thousand two years later, we signed. We had Doug Howlett, we had Lafimi Maffey, and Ruth Topoki, and we were just like, the lads could pull a try out of their ass out of nothing, yeah. and I wouldn't even touch a breakdown. Yeah. You know that that was that was the difference yeah. because you just suddenly you've got a seven pointer rather than you know having to play two hundred phases to score a mall try for Raj to kick it and then Raj to start nipping away penalties at him. Yeah, you yeah. need to be able to score tries out of nothing. And uh, it, it took us signing Maffey yeah. to Pokey. And, so uh, did you, because um, I know Ireland, Whenever even when I was with Ireland for the last maybe three, four years, mm. we did mindfulness. Did you do anything like that with Munster? We did, yeah. <clears throat> we had um, we had uh, Declan Ahern and we had... Um, Declan Hearn and Jerry Hussey were two guys who came in as, as sports psych guys with us. Um, and Declan Hearn introduced the mindfulness stuff. But this is this is 2005, 2006 now. So a lot of people were kind of like, what, what who's yeah. this spoon bender talking to me? But <laughs> yeah. like, if you're open to it, you're open to it. And some, yeah. people, some people do it instinctively and they don't see the value in someone coming in coaching them <clears> on <throat> their mental skills. And then for like, I would definitely be someone who'd, who would overthink things. Yeah. So I found it good to give me a kind of a mental pathway where I would always try and bring myself somewhere positive, yeah. particularly with, with close skills like throwing. I'm just um, remembering, we, in around the same time with Ulster, maybe 2006, seven, something like that, <clears throat> we got a guy in and um, uh, it was all just about imagining a more positive outcome and then mm. you, you tend to get a more positive outcome. I think it was as basic as that. It was the early days, as you say. Yeah, yeah. But we were sent, we did a workshop where we were sent to a corner of the room with like, by by yourself to kind of sit in isolation. And I can't remember exactly what the emphasis was, but we sat there for a few minutes. I can't remember what we were told, what our cues were anyway. This was all new to all of us. Mm. And we were all like kind of wee bit giggly and a bit cynical, you know. And then um, after maybe a minute or two silence, then 
he pressed he pressed play, and it was you've got to search for no, the, the lighthouse family. Yourself. Oh, and people, is not people? Yeah, yeah, and people. Yeah, um, I we were just like, oh my goodness, this is this is What's hard. That, is that that's in people? I think so. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Well, which guy's in the lighthouse family? Um, Lifting. We are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's such shit music, man. Yeah. It's such shit music. Yeah, so he, this guy thought, oh, oh this is going to be brilliant. All the boys are going to be, they'll be searching for the for the hero inside themselves. <laughs> <laughs> we, we certainly weren't. I wasn't looking yeah, for the hero. It's too cheesy. Yeah. The, the mental skill side is definitely, it would definitely be a really good way. Like, I, I'd <clears throat> would like to find, we try and get James Lowe back on to find. He, he said that they spend nearly as much time rehearsing their mental skills as their, their physical skills. Sorry, I think he said they do spend as much time. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm, I can't remember exactly. This is ages ago, so I'm remembering bits of it, but I wish. We could. We should have dug deeper. Mental skills is quite. A, is quite a broad. Yes, I know. I so know. like, there's yeah. the whole thing of like <clears throat> creating frameworks for you to deal with to deal with like mistakes and stuff on the field to yeah. deal with setbacks to get yourself <laughs> rooted in yeah. the in the present. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Just the way you said that, like you're South African. <laughs> <laughs> to get yourself rooted back in the present and play the moment in front of you rather than living time behind you. And then there's obviously using imagery you know, visual, visualization and stuff like that to try and work on your skills, like your fielding and the high ball and stuff like that. I don't, did you do much of that? Oh yeah, I did a lot of that. Yeah, I, I would have been like- You had the mind gym with? Mind gym, yeah. I'd have been walking around the, my, my, my room, kind of imagining the ball and like, I felt, I felt like I couldn't get, couldn't get into character when I was sitting down. So I yeah, felt like yeah. I had to almost like act it out. Mm. I, I, I do think, I do think that helps, but yeah, again, it helps me execute a skill, but does it help me um, be more confident that we are gonna like win this game, or you know, I know. No, I understand what you, you know mean. What I, mean? I understand the, the, the how the tangible. Bigger. How tangible is it that you can actually turn this around when you when you feel yourself going behind? Yeah, and I suppose the better you're, the more equipped you are in the field to to feel like you can manufacture a score yourself. Then yeah, you'll feel more confident. I, think, I do think in the Ireland setup they are. There is an emphasis. I know, like Joe's very big on next moment. It's the mm. next moment. There's no point in worrying about the moment after that because you execute that first and then you move on. Mm. It's all really sensible stuff. Like I've, that's where I kind of become aware of a lot of stuff. Mm. So there is, there definitely is a lot of it going on. But I just wonder if maybe there's like a shift in an emphasis or something new that we're missing out on. Uh, I don't man, know. I think it. I think it, like the other thing is Farrell with his defense. He talks about. I don't want to say the word that he uses because it's probably it's probably a secret, but. Mm. The word that he uses to describe the defense, um, he said it's, yeah, yeah. He says it's um, it's not necessary. It's about your body language, mm-hmm. and he's big on if you're positive and your body language is upbeat and mm-hmm. enthusiastic, the impact that, that has on your teammate mm-hmm. is really significant. You can tell whenever you're playing and there's an energy in the team. Yeah, yeah. You can tell, and it's and it's infectious. Yeah, you, we. I remember years ago it was. Uh, the whole thing about like people used to look at wasps years ago, like when wasps were like the <clears throat> the kind of premier club, and they're like they would always focus on you know I, when Owen Redden was there, Johnny O'Connor was there, and I remember that they were I would always be asking them what's it like, and they were like oh we're playing with Lawrence Delalio and Rafi Ibanez and Rob Howley, and they'd say it's always like they put a massive emphasis on conditioning, being super fit, but then they would always try and let's take advantage of it, but it's like big chest, you know, like staying big all the time and positive body language and no hands on hips, no you know or no no hands on on you know no one's foot bent over yeah, looking yeah. tired because the opposition look across at you and you, that your body language does play a role. Yeah, right? I remember when Redden came back from Wasps, mm. um, then he was in the Irish camp. Uh, or no, sorry, he wasn't back from Wasps. It was whenever he came, mm. got picked for Ireland in the squad. Uh, do you remember this, Lukey Fitz? Um, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Bring that up, thank fuck you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lukey Fitz asking for a massage. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was <laughs> masseuse. And then Reds was like, "What are you talking about? I'm a player." And he goes, "Oh." <laughs> he said, "I play for Wasps." He's yeah, like, yeah. "Sorry, I don't watch Premiership." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. I was actually chatting to Reds the other day. He's uh, He's still really tight with his money. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But he's, yeah. Um, good. Well, that's good getting that little slag in on him. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you're a big fan of slagging Reds. Little weasel. Um, um, so, uh, so the alternate universe, yeah. we're, we're oh, more yes, competitive. Yes. But it, it just, look, we're looking at loads of things around the main thing. And the main thing is that it's a higher skill set. Yeah. And is get younger players pass, catching and passing 
at a better quality from right from the start. Because there's so much, like when I played rugby, it was like, when I was a kid, it was like, the, get the ball to the big guy and then everyone just running around after him all yeah. the time. Were you the big guy? No, no. I would just try and get the ball to him. <laughs> yeah. I was the fat guy. <laughs> the fat no, no, guy. no, not the fat guy. <laughs> the big guy. <laughs> I was a good tackler. But I remember when I first went out, like I'd say I was, I was six and my dad brought me out training with the under 10s and they put me in the backs and I was miles out in the wing and I was freezing and I started crying and then they brought me into the forwards and then I was playing the forwards. We used to get fucking pumped every week, man. I was, I'd come home, my mum would be how'd you get on? I'd say, we lost. And I'd just go out and I was playing a presentation or a small club in Limerick. And then when I went to St. Munchens, then I moved to Shannon and we used to win all the time, man. And we won like the Jump league. ship. Yeah, I know, but like I had to move because presentation disbanded, the underage did. And then we're like winning the league and then like, going to train in the following week and thinking that it would be a party and they were like we were just training again and I was like oh, but we won the league last week and like, so what man just get out there again uh, yeah I um, uh, I, I was I wasn't the big kid in school or not in school in mini rugby I wasn't the big kid but I was the fast kid yeah so I would have like scored was like scored all our tries and stuff and it would be give the ball to Andrew and then I, I uh, a couple of times like really patronised one or two of my teammates by getting over the line and passing, and then, and passing the ball, <laughs> yeah, to passing to the fat kid. Yeah, that's me. Uh, my, I, I, I peaked when I was a youngster, like playing mini rugby, mm. and then I'd say maybe whenever I get went to secondary school, like second year, which is like your thirteen, fourteen. Mm. All of a sudden, we, I know we touch on pubes quite a bit, but mm. <laughs> all of a sudden, I still only our own. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't have any pubes, and all my mates started getting pubes, and I was like, "What is going on here?" Why am I getting so crap at rugby? Oh, you thought <laughs> it was enough pubes. Yeah. And then I eventually caught up again. But I was a late, I was a late starter. So I got to where I peaked when I was a youngster. Mm. And then took a dip during that wee awkward teenager phase. And then got good again went towards 17, 18. If, uh, yeah, facial hair is the big one, man. Testosterone. Mm. Guys having a lot of facial hair when they're 14, 15. I used to find that quite intimidating when yeah. I played. I'd be like, fuck, man, that guy's... He's, King Gross sideburns. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's um, change gears slightly. Let's talk about the future, I suppose. So, obviously, um, <laughs> the lack of future, I suppose. Well, we, we were executed. We died. We were executed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the afterlife. The resurrection. Yeah, the resurrection. Nice, more positive. Resurrection, because yeah. afterlife would be... We wouldn't actually be able to compete anymore. Yeah. So, um, most of the team gets resurrected, but uh, Joe and Rory the end of the line it would mm. be remiss of us not to pay testament to to Joe and Rory mm. um, obviously you tussled with Rory in the early days and probably came out on top more often nah well, he's, 100, he's 120 caps he's like, no. like 80 <laughs> caps more than at the time had you not done your caps oh. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be in the mix ah uh, well look I, I think uh, we, he you'd be captain would you no he definitely you'd be walking around with your three kids Yes. Even though you only got no, two. I think I don't think I would have anywhere near the durability of of Rory because Rory's naturally like Rory was a fat kid. He was the fat kid when he was when he was came into camp. Yeah. So he's naturally big. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I was always trying to lift weights to build myself up just to compete with him. And then I think I just saw the penny dropping with him over time, where he just started going, hmm. I don't need to. I just need to work a little bit harder on keeping my weight down and getting fit. And he was always fit. To be fair. Yeah. He was all like him and Chris Henry, the two guys. You, I don't think you'd look at Rory and, and say he's gonna he's gonna be an absolute like this type of machine that he is for Ireland for mm. eighty minutes consistently. But he's really really fit. His his durability, man, is phenomenal. To play one hundred and twenty ca- one hundred and twenty tests, yeah. as a hooker, man, is just yeah. I don't know how. And, that's that's just that's just one aspect of it. But to play exactly, yeah, that, to play hundred, yeah, to play hundred and twenty tests to keep going into the same job all the time when the pressure keeps going. Like once you get to like, once you're like thirty two, people are like, I think he's finished, mm-hmm. and they're just constantly waiting to get you out the door. Yeah. you know what I mean. They're not they're not giving you allowing you time. They're just actively trying to get rid of you. It's like, oh, you, do you want to do you want to head away? Yeah. Do you want to head away? Yeah. And then to see all these young guys coming up, to see all your best, like when himself and Leamy are best mates and when Leamy retired from the game I said that's going to be hard for Rory you know yeah. Rory just keeps reinventing himself staying relevant like you know better than me and you uh-huh. jumping it but seeing him to be able to stay relevant to all these to, to a younger group of players you got to I, I, yeah. I, I spoke to O'Connell about it like I was you have to keep 
you just have to keep working down like down to their to their level and 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 you know chatting to them and and yeah you know no, you're right he, he he has stayed uh, relevant mm. locally in Ulster he everybody everybody looks up to Rory they always have I know that's no surprise mm. but everybody he's not just a guy who's kind of I suppose a leader he's a guy everybody genuinely gets on well with mm. so he's culturally right in the middle of everything that's going on socially mm. in Ulster as well so there's a genuineness to his leadership yeah, I think if it's not genuine, people see through it yeah, straight away. Especially yeah. if you're 37. Yeah. If, you, if you're not genuine, you mm. get found out like before you even get to your mid 20s. Mm. So and you're right. So he reinvented himself on the pitch, but everything off the pitch is and it's not unseen because it's been documented and people you know pay testament to Rory mm. often. Um, but there's there's so much going on. He's so well rounded in what he contributes, mm. and I think for to have done that for so long, um, unlike you're you know you're. You know, you you give up early. You know. Yeah, I just give up. That's it. <laughs> no, he's and, and and to be fair, man, his game. He grew his game as well because when you're looking at like, I remember being a monster when Sean Cronin was popping up in the academy, and I was like, oh fuck. Mm. I said, this guy, I just can't, I can't compete with his le- level of athleticism. So I've got to try and find what's what's my. You have to differentiate. My, yeah, what's my strong point? I said, okay, well, I've got to be unbelievably good at set piece. I've got to be the fittest guy in the field every time I play. And, you know, to see Rory competing with guys like Sean, uh, Rickard Strauss when he was there as well, you know, Herring, who else? That, that's pretty much it, isn't it? That's it. Well, yeah. recently, Scannell. Uh, and and Niall Scannell. To see him competing with those guys and then Rory just to keep trying to focus on his fundamentals. But I think, like, he's a, he's a really good, he's a clever footballer yeah. and he's he's also... <clears throat> He's, he's, I thought his breakdown work over the last few years, I used to say to the to younger lads in Munster, I said, like, look at the way Rory Best keeps evolving. Like, as he loses pace or as he loses a little bit of an ability to win a collision, he finds other ways. So he's really clever with his defence, you know, where he's he makes sure that he's, he's, he's cutting guys' space down as much as he can so he can win that collision. When he's carrying the ball, he'll, he'll try to keep the ball alive rather than saying, well, I'm not going to run over this guy. And... You know, I think he's uh, he's had an amazing career. He's been yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's a fucking he's a warrior that way. Yeah, and yeah, it's just, like it's it's not it's not he got a he got a send off. He you know it was obviously but mm. you know knockout stages of the World Cup. He obviously what, wanted to go further, but what the fuck? Like people are like, oh, isn't it such a pity? And I was like, oh, it's a I pity know, know, yeah. to get a hundred and twenty caps to lose to a team that's way better than you at the World Cup. Like that's yeah, who <clears throat> who gets to who gets to really finish? On their terms, like, and the only kind of terms that he would have really wanted would have been to win the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, I think if you said if you said to him at the start, listen, you're going to play 120 times for Ireland, you get knocked out there. Like, obviously, they they would have poured so much effort into this, but you're not you're not you're not you're not a, you don't have a right a God given right to anything. You know, yeah, you get yeah. what you what you just because O'Driscoll, O'Driscoll got the blimp. That was yeah, yeah, and then, and then Rog like a couple of weeks later, <laughs> no blimp. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where's my blimp? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like you can't you can't feel so sort of precious that. Yeah, I, I doubt he, I, I deserve this won't. and that. Rory yeah. was like super humble, sure, and he's yeah. and he was. I think he's a, he's a great ambassador for Irish rugby yeah. as well. So, and, so Joe, um, uh, the I've heard a few people talking then today about Joe. How, how you know he he would be he would be judged in his World Cup. Um, Campaigns, but there's so much goes on in between the World mm. Cups, and he's had so much success. Like to have had one, sorry, two Grand Slams up till 2009. Then Joe came in. When did Joe come in? 2013. 2013. We went. Well, oh, we went. Sorry, we went. Um, well, to be uh, fair, no man. To be fair, when you say we've two Grand Slams, we had a, we had the Grand Slam in 19 whatever is it 56 or some yeah. shit like that, and that was that was five nations. Mm-hmm. You know, so the the. The first real Grand Slam was the 2009 one. And after people have done some... So that was the first time we really won that. Yeah. And after that, then it's like, you know, once someone's run the four-minute mile, you know, people run the four-minute mile. <laughs> okay, so you like... So kidney sets the tone? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm probably just kind of batting my own... way, Patting myself on the back a little <laughs> yeah. bit there. Oh, sorry, you set the tone yeah, <laughs> rather yeah, than Joe. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay, I didn't even, I didn't even pick that up there. I'm sorry. Cheers. We'll go back to Shrugby again, will we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be your go-to, is it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but Schmidt goes on. He wins uh, Six Nations 2014-15. Uh, eight, then 18. 18, yeah. yeah. 
uh, Grand Slam, obviously, 18. Mm-hmm. There's such consistency, even between, despite Argentina and New Zealand, two one-off losses mm. in World Cups, that he, I, I, would, I would argue, certainly from, from being there, I'd be pretty biased, but I would argue that he's, he's made a lasting permanent impression on Irish rugby and sure. he's changed it of course altogether. he is people who say he's defined by his World Cup they're just talking shit man they're absolutely talking he's defined by his his winning record with Ireland has been I, I don't know if anyone if, if, if anyone comes near it and he, not just that but like he's improved so many of the players there and uh, and on top of that he's improved the, the standard of what's acceptable now in Irish rugby like when, when I first went in coaching with Munster like the whole thing was like everyone's got a coach like Joe Schmidt, like which I don't think people can't you can't imitate somebody because you'd just be a poor imitation of them. Mm-hmm. So we tried doing it. We tried to be so detail oriented, and it, it didn't work for us. You got to find your own way of doing things. Yeah. But people just became aware of that. Of there is there is a coaching style out there that is, you know, that is just so focused on detail in every single aspect and and making all of the little things count. And you, you, you take what works for you as a coach and you apply it in there. And what works for Joe has been, you know, the way he's been working it has been phenomenal. You know? yeah. So he's raised the standard for, for Irish rugby yeah, on, a, on a player front, on a coach's front, and expectations. Like, people are, like, pissed off now. They're going, like, oh, we lost to the All Blacks. I was like, man, everybody loses the All Blacks. Yeah. And look, it, it, it wasn't ideal. You know, we're disappointed, but, like, just take a step back and have a look at this thing in, in perspective. Like, we're a very small rugby nation punching massively, massively on the, on the, on the global scale. Yeah. So, so. Uh, let's talk about the future then. Obviously, well, Farrell, I suppose we can talk about Farrell, but mm. even on the pitch, like Rory's gone. Um, do, you think, do you see anybody else not moving forward with this, with this Ireland team or, or anybody um, like uh, the likes of a Joey Carberry? It's, it's a hard conversation to say who you who you who you think will will not be involved because you can't write like you know I don't want to be like oh cheers fly you just said that I wouldn't be playing anymore but I think you just look at the age profile of some players um I think there's there's going to be some interesting uh, you know some some lads are going to are going to be able to get 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 some opportunities I think there's going to be opportunities at hooker obviously now with Rory stepped out the obvious guys would be Niall Scannell Rob Herring Sean Cronin Sean Cronin's been in the mix for so long you you'd have to wonder like uh, you know is he gonna is he gonna push back in now ahead of Niall Scannell? Is Reese Marshall gonna come in the mix? Who else who else is is, is knocking around there? You have um, you know you've young lads and you've Kelleher and 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 Byrne in in Leinster. You've Tracy in Leinster. Yeah. So it's there's no there's no this is this is the heir apparent who's gonna step in there. It's yeah. probably Niall Scannell at the moment and his fundamentals are good. Um, Second row, there's plenty of competition. Back row, man, there's plenty. Uh, can I, uh, you probably won't like this one, but I think Ian Henderson, man, could uh, like he's. We needed more from him at this World Cup. I think he's a phenomenal player, and I think that he, I think when he starts firing for Ireland, we're going to be a far better team. You know, he's he's a, he's, a, he's an awesome player. He can yeah. carry. He can tackle. He's he fired against Scotland. To be fair, I thought he was probably our best player against Scotland. Uh, I don't know, was he our best player against Scotland? But I just, sorry, the reason I'm, I felt I was slightly disappointed with him is because I rate him so highly. Mm-hmm. And I rate him so highly because obviously I've noticed the, the esteem that all the Ulster lads hold him in. So then, and when he's played against us at Munster when I've been coaching, he's, he's, we, they've generally lost him. Like I think he's gone off two or three times with an injury against us. And mm-hmm. I went, yes. And I see it's like we, we get we get a foothold in the game. So I know how good he can be. Yeah, yeah. I just feel that like we're flogging James Ryan to death here, you know. And I think that, that Ian Henderson has an ability to be to be like a, a front lock, like a guy who can carry the ball, get you over the game line, make massive hits, you know, fuck up malls, but yet he can still he's athletic enough that he can call line outs, he can do all those things. So I think that seeing the seeing how he evolves there's 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 huge scope for Ireland to get better with him and yeah. James Ryan there in the in the in at lock. Yeah. Um, to, uh, I, I take it you would imagine Dev won't get back into the mix. I think. It, do yeah. you think there'd be? Like, uh, obviously, then. Well, I don't know. What about? Um, sorry. John Klein. Yeah. John Klein and Tyg Byrne. I think it's going to be a case of seeing where where how. Well, John Klein is going to be in the mix as a specialist lock. 
The difference is going to be if James Ryan starts taking over the calling duties in Leinster, then it could be him versus Ian Henderson. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then John Klein could be could could, could come into the mix as well. Um, obviously, they you know you can you can you can do the permutations whatever you want. Be interesting to see what way Tyg Byrne goes. Um, is he going to play a lot at lock for Munster this year? Munster have like. They've got Billy Holland there, but I think Finneen Witcherly is a guy who, if he if he performs well, has got you know he's a good athlete. Yeah. You know he's very very coachable. Um, but Alton Delan, would he get back in the mix at all? Yeah, possibly. He had a big year there a few years ago for Connacht. Uh, he's a good carrier. Probably, you know, there's there's a few edges to his game. He could yeah. knock off. He seems to have a good work ethic. I think I'd be interested just just seeing between Tyg and John Klein. Seeing how how they progress, will will Tyg start moving into the back row for Munster? I'm not sure. Um, if he goes into the back row, I think it'll be more difficult for him to get in the mix with Ireland, would it not? Depends. Depends. Like if if they play Pete at seven and CJ at eight, and then and then Tyg is at six there. Like Tyg, uh, yeah. Dan Levy, if he gets back, where uh, he is, there'll be yeah. Dan Levy, that's Dan a big Le- question. We mark, massively miss Dan Levy. I tell you, uh, your man Ryan Baird. The young guy in Leinster uh, looks looks like a serious player. He's probably a, a year or two away from this now, but looks like a serious How old player. He? Would he be? A, he was uh, played the under twenty World Cup last year. Okay, so yeah. Scott Penny, same year. Yeah, Penny. Uh, I think we're we're Penny is Penny is like a man child when I watch him play. How powerful he is as a ball carrier. Because uh, realistically, this is in four years' time. These these guys are going to yeah. be the Sam Underhill. The Irish yeah, well, equivalent. You'd ideally have Josh van der Fleer and Dan Levy in the mix there as well, you know, going forward in four years' time. I think it, it, to try and look at a good way, a good way of rather than just dragging the arse out of this conversation, going through every position yeah, in the yeah, depth, yeah. is to look at what we're missing, and we're missing football. The more footballers we can get on the field, I think Baird has football. Now, he's not going to be. You mean football? You mean like, like X-Factor? I mean like. You mean like the equivalent of what you said about Munster, the. The, the Dougie Harlots, the Maffies, there's something to change. Yes, yes. So, like, do you remember when Leamy, when Dennis Leamy played? Leamy was a good athlete, but he was a phenomenal footballer. That was the difference. That's what made him stand out. So, getting guys who've got more football, who can play flat in the line, who can pass the ball, people who, people with good catch pass skills. Yeah. Um, so, and I think in terms of creators coming into the back line, you can jump in, give me a hand with this. I th- the guy who's standing out for me is Joey Carberry is obviously a massive talent. Yeah. Um, I think Shane Daly could come into the mix. Uh-huh. Um, Shane Daly, you know, he's quite like Stockdale in like similar stature. Um, both have an X factor. Stockdale is probably more of a physical threat in terms of beating people one-on-one. Yeah. Um, Daly is probably, you know, uses a little bit more evasion, a little bit more footwork to beat people, but he's another guy who'd be in the mix. Um, but we need to start he needs to start padding out a bit of depth at fifteen as well. It'll be interesting to see um Rob going back to Leinster now and seeing how much he's gonna play there with you know are they gonna put is Jordan gonna stay in the wing? Are they gonna look at Jordan at fifteen? Are they gonna Jordan, look Jordan who? Someone tweeted me and said, get Flannery to say armour and then put an L in front of it. Larmour. <laughs> there we go. That was pretty easy. <laughs> <A> simple solution. <laughs> Instead of Lamour. <laughs> He's French. Um, he qualifies for France. So, but, but I, I watched a bit of Hugo Keenan at 15 for the last, Leinster's last couple of games. Looks uh-huh. like a really elusive player. I see him trying to step step in as a first receiver. Jack Conan was on air sport with us today. And... Um, I asked him about Keane and he just said, yeah. And I said, I see him trying to step in as a first receiver. He goes, he's never, he's not really played 10, but he said that Lancaster is very keen on them to come up st- to play either side of the rook. Again, to take to take some of the, the workload off Johnny Sexton when yeah. he's in the field. Um, so so Keenan, um, you know... It's, what about someone like Mikey Laurie? Yeah, oh, fuck. I, man, I think that guy's an absolute baller. Yeah. I just... Not sure what his best position is. Like, if he's at ten, is he? Is is he? Is there a, an element of the George Ford of George Ford where teams are just going to constantly be trying to pile down a shot? I suppose. Look, it's, it's not. You're not going to make a difference. His his strength is how elusive he is. His footwork. Like, yeah, yeah. Honestly, we we played we played Ulster. Was it last year to start of the year? And and we pumped him in Tolan Park, and uh, we were like, just the game was going on next minute. This small guy, this hobbit, comes on the field with a with a with a scrum cap, 
And I was like, there's no Jim Phoenix going, who the fuck is this guy? He was going, tip, 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 tip. He was like an electron man, yeah. just flying around the field. And we, we, were, we were killing Ulster at the time. He's Colby, but, he's, he's, what's his name? Yeah, Ches and Colby, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. he's like. Great call, great call, yeah. yeah. You gotta, that's, that's, that's. Because he's, he's, he actually deals with um, those tight spaces really well. Mm. He looks really punchy and really dynamic. Mm. Just drives through, kind of penetrates that. Yeah, quite well. yeah. Anyway. Just needed to get a wee bit Ulster in there. No, that's good. It's good. Um, and then obviously, um, I was going to say Zane Lowe from MTV Select. Uh, James, <laughs> James Lowe. Yeah, qualifies James in Lowe. a year's time. He could be that. So that turning point you talked about with Munster, you bring in uh, a little bit of X Factor. He could be the X Factor that, that changes Ireland a little bit. Yeah, I, I look at Lowe and I think like the strength that he, like when, when he's in the field, you, what you've got to prepare for is an enormous boot. He's got an enormous boot. Um, and he's just he just wins collisions like it's like you've got you know you have wingers having different he he said it himself when he was on like you've got guys with different skill sets so he can't do what what Jordan Larmer uh, <laughs> what can do with his foot with his footwork but he literally takes he'll just show up on the inside of the ten and just run over a back row you know and he's he definitely would add something different I think it's it's the it's the football man is what we need to yeah, yeah. up up our football yeah. and it's that's not easily done. That's done by New Sephora or someone like that coming in and saying, listen, we gotta, we're going to upskill the underage coaches, which they're doing. I know that Munster have brought in a guy um, to upskill the underage coaches because it's this thing about like developing players. You've you got to have engaged players to develop them and ha- you've got to have engaged coaches. And at senior, senior level in, in, in Ireland at Munster, Ulster, Leinster senior level, all the coaches are on short-term contracts, very, very performance-oriented. Mm-hmm. So if they don't win, it's very easy. So they're all engaged, so the players are engaged. There's it's, no incentive for them to build anything past when they think they might not be around. No, well, like, they're... they're yeah, yeah that's, that's, maybe that's accurate. What I'm, what I'm trying to get to is that they're all engaged there, but it's, it's at under-10s under level. When you get a guy who comes in and who's going to do a skill session with a group of 10-year-olds, if he's actually engaged, if whoever is running it, whether it's the CEO in Munster or the CEO in Leinster or Ulster or Connacht, who comes in and goes, your role in developing these kids is so important. So you can just set the cones out and the kids can just run and just do handling drills. Or else you can go out there and actually really give a shit and coach them so that they're taking the ball, catching it early, keeping their hips square, bringing the ball across their body, staying big after the pass. Like, that's the difference. Yeah. If you get those guys engaged, then you engage the kids at 10 years of age. Then, then they're developing all the time. And do you remember this, man? After that 2000, this, I think to try and give people who are listening to the show and watching the show a kind of a, an example of what I'm saying is when we won the Grand Slam in 2009... Remember we spent a we spent a weekend camp in Belfast practicing switches. I was thirty one years of age, and we spent a weekend just practicing switches, and we were really poor at it. There's nothing wrong like that's that's a fundamental part of the game being able to run a switch. But we were just so poor at it, and I said we're I think we're pretty much the best team in Europe at the moment because we've won the Grand Slam, yet we can't fucking run switches. Uh-huh. Like, and I was thirty one. So, like, you imagine if you have kids at 11, 12 who are just practicing switches all the time, mm-hmm. how good they are then when they get international level. But that's it. The focus is always on... And it's a little bit of the Northern Hemisphere rugby because of the conditions being shitter. Because the, you know, for September and the start of October, you know, the weather's generally okay and the ball is, the ball is dry, so you're running. Then you just go into this shit fight then all the way through October the second latter half of October, November, December, January, February, and then then the pitches start to harden up as you're going forward and you start getting getting a running focus again. But like so much of it is just set piece orientated and kicking orientated that the skill set almost gets it gets it gets pushed down yeah, the list it, as a priority. It, it drops down the priorities. Yeah, I think I, I'm probably to blame for that a little bit. I had my young fellow out today. I was coaching mini rugby. I had them standing in a straight line throwing a ball through a hula hoop. I was going, <laughs> he's only four, to be fair. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to keep him in. I just wanted to keep him out on the pitch. Yeah. And there was a wee meltdown moment, and he kind of looked a wee bit sour, and I thought, even the hula hoop isn't enough to keep him out here. I sent my kids, my, my, my kids are doing gymnastics now, man, oh, yeah. and that's different level, different level, really, really good, because they're doing like, they're doing like, up on the bars, they're like, 
working on engaging their lats and then doing little spins and stuff like that and balance beams. Do they wear we uh, leotards? No, no, not my lads. They wear <laughs> jeans, jeans and Doc, <laughs> jeans and Doc Martens <laughs> and hoodies. <laughs> it's brilliant. They sound like rebel gymnastics. Nah, they're, they, one of the girls, the last time I went to it, uh, my missus has been bringing them because I've been away on the Saturdays doing the games, but the last time I went to say, could you get your kids to wear tracksuit pants maybe next time they're wearing <laughs> jeans because they find it hard to do some of the movements. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but they're cool. Yeah, yeah, they look cool. Yeah. Doc Martens. Nice one. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. All right, lads, it's time for Black and White. I've set you both the task of picking Ireland's top three players of the World Cup, and I'm going to give you 30 seconds each to name your three players and convince me of who's got the best pick. So, Trimby, do you want to crack on first? Yeah, okay. My three players are um, slightly unorthodox picks because um, two of them didn't start. Um, Gary Ringrose. Uh, Dave Kilcoyne and Andrew Conway. I've gone for that's including the warm up games, by the way, as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry, Conway was incredible in the air. Um, uh, good support line, scored a couple of tries early on, didn't make the final squad. Could things have been different had Conway started against New Zealand? Sliding doors again. Sliding doors, yeah. Mm. Uh, Kilcoyne is Ireland's most improved player, but that accolade sells him short <laughs> massively. It was always the, the annoying kid got that in school, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Most improved player, no thanks. All right. <laughs> anyway, that's Kil- Kilcoyne and then Ringrose. Um, class. Uh, I'm going to go Sexton, Ringrose, Conway. Uh, and I think a noticeable mention for Rory Vest as well. If you think if you actually go through how much pressure he was under going into the tournament, delivered against Scotland, not great against Japan, but then you know he pitched in the other games. He's got a couple of tries, but I'm going to go Sexton because when he's playing well, he was our best player all the time, and uh, I'll probably go Ringrose and then Conway. So if Sexton had played against the All Blacks, we might have won, huh? If we had 14 more Johnny Sextons, we would have won. Well, we probably. How do you think the scrum would have gone? Fucked up in the scrum. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, okay. yeah. yeah, I think I'll give that to Flat there. Didn't think. Yeah, Sexton wasn't amazing today, but mm. was, all the way up to today, he was great. So. You would play Sexton at tight head. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. We, uh, just give him extra shoulder pads. We get his brother man over. I from haven't the Kings. won. I haven't won black and white in like five weeks in a row now. I think it's terminal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my black and white campaign. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can be resurrected next weekend. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Okay, thanks very much for everyone who listened on all your favourite apps and for those who watched on YouTube. Please do leave us a rating and a review. Make it amusing and you might get read out. Cheers to everyone who was involved in making the show this week. Pat, Alan, Ian and Anthony, this has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Until next time. Party on. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe. Together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.